K-B-I-L-L-Y, home of rock. Oh, I gotcha! Uh-huh, uh, you thought I didn't see you now, didn't you? Uh-huh, uh, you tried to sneak by me now, didn't you? Uh-huh, uh, now give me what you promised me, give it here, come on! Hello, nomads, and welcome to 113. That is the number for this episode. I think that's uh, uh, it's crazy just being that far past 100. But uh, my name is Brandon. I am your host. And today, we have a heist going on. I'm not by myself. I'm also here with Eric, a.k.a. Mr. Brown. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Good line. And uh, Mr. Blonde. I'm Mr. Blonde. <laughs> hey, and Mr. Blonde, uh, a.k.a. Dave. <laughs> Torture you. That's a good idea. I like that. And the new guy. <laughs> Sicko. <laughs> Mr. Orange. Bill from A Gamer Looks at 40 podcast. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, guys. And uh, if you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> <laughs> now that's... Dude, beautiful. that was uh, Harvey Keitel, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yep. God, oh yeah, he's so good in this movie. One of his first, yeah, was right in the beginning. Yeah, we are quoting the, I think, great movie Reservoir Dogs by Quentin Tarantino. This is his freshman, like this is his debut movie. Am I directorial debut? Yes, sir. Yep, more or less. He had a, he had a co-writing. I found out that he did. He like co-wrote and co-produced a movie right before this. Did okay. release with a buddy, but it like. The reels of film got burned in a fire and they had to like release it as like a 36 minute short film with like what they could salvage. Hmm. Crazy weird side really? act oh. from, from okay. t- this week's investigations. So huh. this is the third Tarantino movie that we've talked about. The first one we did mm-hmm. was early on in the show, which was uh, Once, Once, Once Upon a time. time in Hollywood. Thank you. In Hollywood. Mm, and then we, fun time goes by and then we did... Uh, the Hateful Eight. Yep. And now, this and those were like his his, his newer movies. So going back and actually kind of seeing like where did he get his name from, right? And uh, hell of a start, hell of a start. Um, now Eric, I put this out on social media. I thought I would get more love. Uh, only a few people chewed on this, and I'm and it makes me wonder though. Like, has it been a it's been a while since I've seen it last. I wonder if it's been a long time since people have seen this movie. It's like, yeah, you know, it's good. Just yeah. never went back to see it again. Yeah, we got a couple comments over on the Twitters uh, at Nomads of Fantasy. Just two this time. Um, <laughs> the Krusty Boys said, well, every time I hear stuck in the middle with you, I have to do that little dance. Which, yeah, I mean. That, have to do it. It is yeah, good. Have that, to. That song. Yep. Required. <laughs> that song, that scene, everything about it. Uh, and Richard Solution says, loved it. Soundtrack, storytelling, cast, look, feel. There you go. That's our short little That's social it. section. I like the bulleted approach of how to review something. You know? Right? Yeah. Thank you. I yeah, didn't right. have to read anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on one oh. second. I am forgetting some very important comments Holy from our shit. Discord. How could I forget that? Oh, that's right. I thought you were going to uh, say we got an email. I almost shat myself. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, <laughs> over on our Discord at nomadsoffantasy.com or at nomadsoffantasy, the nomadsoffantasy.com slash Discord if you want to join there. 
Um, our good buddy Tejas over there says on Reservoir Dogs, this movie, this was a movie that made me understand the power of dialogue in a script. A well-written script can make or break a movie and Tarantino delivered in his first outing as a director for a movie that takes place primarily in two rooms, which feels very like a stage play is amazing. The acting's in this movie is top notch. Final five minutes solidified the movie as top tier, uh, in the robbery genre if you listen closely to the audio, once Mr. Pink runs out the door, it's clear what happens to him. Wait, yes, what happened thank you. to him? <sighs> Put a pin in that, okay? Maybe we'll find oh, out later so as we talk about it. I need to go back and watch that again. Yeah, well, you got to watch movies with subtitles, man. Cause they, I did. Yeah. Oh, you did? Well, at the end of the movie, they show you in the subtitles like what's going on. That scene. There's, yeah. There's a little, uh, it's implied what happens, what his fate is. Um, also, Chris Logan says, I've always had, I've always said that about Reservoir Dogs and Memento, another movie in a uh, director's filmography. All you need to make a movie is a tight script. Tarantino does it again with Hateful Eight. I think that and Reservoir Dogs make great, would make great stage adaptations since there's very few settings. Which I feel like we've touched on that a bit when we talked about Hateful we Eight. Did. And we've touched on that a lot in um, previous episodes of, you know, movies that take place in like one location because you kind of get to to know that location a little bit more and it becomes like a character in the movie. So this had that as well. Nobody yeah. cares if there's gasoline spilled all over the goddamn place. <laughs> Everybody just <laughs> thinks that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so this is rounding off, I think, the end of well, July going into August here in 2023. Um, we got a couple projects going on in the background for the show. Uh, so I don't know what you want to release what's coming up. If your people are playing along with us, Dave, but well, they can't play along with us cause we're taking a break, <laughs> but <laughs> not really panic. a break, not a long, just not, from, no. yes. you won't even notice <laughs> let's say, from the let's say, we're, let's say the main show is just hitting the back burner and, uh, we're going to put out some side content for a little bit kind of each kind of mm-hmm. you know do our own thing you know get out there stretch our legs see what else is out there you know there'll be some episodes coming out here and there but um we'll be coming back in what september you know yeah new website some new some new <clears throat> some new fancy new things you never know what'll happen in, in the month of august bill i know you live in the south but yeah, you know the north right like our summers are short and here in yes. western new york like we really get like half of june july august and beginning of september and then it starts getting cold see we have the exact we have a, the exact opposite problem here in texas where it's hot <laughs> endlessly it's it was today felt cooler and com- more comfortable because it was 97 oh, as oh opposed to the 104 <laughs> cool 105 it's been for the last for the last it's not cool and comfortable people ask me sometimes from back east hey are you used to the heat and the answer is no i'm not no 100 never, degrees never is hot yeah. i don't care who you are or how acclimated you are. I've been here for 10 years. It's still really hot and uncomfortable and awful. So yeah. I'll take the cold. I don't blame yeah. you there. I feel like that's the opposite with the cold. Because mm. I, I feel like we are used to the cold since we But you don't get used it. to the cold people, wind in January, man. You just, that is just not bones, Not, well, the wind, is, yeah, the cold wind in your face. But, but like people come up here and they're like, it's 60 degrees. And they're like, it's so cold. I'm like, that's shorts weather to me, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's, that's like, beautiful. March rolls around, you know, you go out, you're going outside in shorts and it's like 30, 35 degrees outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. You get thick, thick well, blood. 
Yeah, and the other side of it too is I'll have people also they know from Mount East originally. I'm from the northern New Jersey area. And I moved out here, you know, 10 years ago or so. And they'll say, Well, you're used to the cold, right? When the rare occasion it hits like 20 degrees. And it's like 20 is still cold. It's still it cold. It is still cold. Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. The temperature is still there. I'm still a human being that lives in this world. I <laughs> I don't know. So it's all relative. But yeah, 60 degrees is like, oh man, it sounds so good. Yeah, that's yeah. Windows open, sleeping weather. Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> nice cool degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I well, yeah, we talk about that because to us, it's just being realistic, right? You know, it's hard to edit the show, get the show out every week. Um and then enjoy the summer. So just being honest with people, not a long break, honestly. You won't even yeah. notice. I, I went and saw Indiana Jones. I'm going to drop an episode about that um, relatively soon. Eric and I like to do our little side shows. So keep an eye out for yep. that or ear um, if you're just listening to the show. Um, so don't panic. <laughs> I, I don't like that when a podcast is like, hey, we're done. This is the last episode. Like, what the fuck? You didn't give us like a heads mm-hmm. up. You know, that's happened. So I don't want people to panic there. Um, yeah. Also, join our Discord. Uh, that's always active. You know, there's always people dropping in and stuff like that. So that's good. Um, we're always going. Yeah. We're more and if than you really, I mean, if if you really want to know, you know, be the first one to know what's going on with us in the show, the Discord is probably the best place to uh, find All that right. stuff out. So yeah. the nomads of fantasy.com slash Discord. Yeah. All right, enough of this. Gotta constantly yeah, but we got work to do, right? <laughs> that was my Joe impression. <laughs> Very nice. In my head, it sounded good. <laughs> you gotta get more gravelly. Hey, get... You don't want to talk. <laughs> Just listen up. It's goddamn right. <laughs> get to like really get like that stuff in the back of your throat yeah. jiggling. Uh, yeah. 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 You gotta. <laughs> like I was at a concert or something like that. It's the end of the night. Um, <laughs> yeah. Your voice is, voice is just shot. Yeah. Yeah. I had no. nothing but cigars and cigarettes for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. dinner. Yeah, you gotta have that accent. We got work to do. Yes, we said work. Work. We got work. Work. <laughs> All right. All right, yeah, let's take a break. <laughs> we'll end Act One, and when we come back, we'll dig into the support. Looking back on the track for a little green back. Got to find just a kind or a loser, my man. I had to think about my Joe impression there. Uh, you guys know what to do. Stay with your man. Do your job. We're done. All right. Which means let's talk about Reservoir Dogs. I think this movie came out in 1992. Yeah, two years yeah. before I was born. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, which reminds wow. me. Which reminds me. <laughs> so, Bill, who's from a gamer list at 40. Right. Did I get that backwards? Gamer list at 40. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so and Dave and I are 42. We're roughly the same age. But Eric yeah. is a wee lad. He's not even 30 yet. A wee lad. And a wee lad, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, this is the first time you're seeing this one, right, Eric? It is. I've been wanting to see this one for for a long time now. I mean, Tarantino, as you guys know, I mean, we've done a couple Tarantino movies in the past, so I've expressed this before on the podcast, but Tarantino is, has always been one of my favorites uh, ever since I saw Kill Bill when I was way too young. You know, I probably saw it when I was, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, around there somewhere. And uh, ever since then, I was I was hooked on Tarantino, you know, so he's I've been a big fan of his for a while. And I just yeah, I just never got around to Reservoir Dogs for whatever reason, you know, just never came up. Um, but yeah, I'm finally, I'm glad that I finally, finally watched it. How and was I, it? Uh, really enjoyed yeah. it. I really enjoyed it. It's yeah, it's different. You can see like the 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 beginnings of Tarantino in it. Like he he's laying groundwork for. There's his, definitely his Tarantino some Tarantino verse. staples in this yeah. movie. That's for sure. Did you guys look including in... the language? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about some of the language. This fucking but... thing and that fucking broad and this fucking thing, like the f words, so the n words. Oh, yeah, yeah that was yeah. Yeah. oof. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, more yep, than yeah. I remembered, which is funny, but but I was looking at um kind of the making of this movie, and he said that he said good acting and a good script would not be enough to make this movie as good as it is. He said it was all about the style that I brought, and he says yes, I totally ripped off a scene from a movie, some movie in Hong Kong, and like the last ten minutes. With Oops. the whole Mexican standoff, he took. He said, yeah. "I, I, I love that. I want that." But he said, "If I'm going to make a whole movie about that 10 minute scene, and that's kind of what he does." And yeah, he's he changed. He messes around with the order of stuff to tell his story. So the, yeah, that's like that's a staple of his. But he said it was all about the style. It's the music, the it's music the characters, is a big thing, but... the, the the things they talk about. There's a couple different things like the 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 naming conventions. Um... It's direct, it says here, directly lifted from the original, the taking of Pelham 123, where the criminals did the same thing. And there's another one about Kansas City Confidential. So, you know, he picks and he chooses, even like his, his new movies things, where, yeah. you know, Kill Bill, where he's taken like the, the the old 70s, you know, movies and kind of remaking them for today. Or Hateful Eight, where he's kind of taken the Western theme and kind of remaking it in his own kind of style, which is... You know, newer cool. movies. Yeah. Kill Bill's coming up on its 20th anniversary this year. I can't crazy. believe that. I can't believe That's it. So crazy. That's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tarantino. He's like, like you said, he's a genre guy, and he mm-hmm. he is he's one. He's the world's best cover artist uh, because he elevates <laughs> the genres that he sends up. And yeah. what I love about Reservoir Dogs is that it's his take on the hard-boiled heist caper. And it's it's such a like you said, it has so much of him in it, especially with dialogue and building characters through dialogue and characters doing things. Uh, He's very adept at that, but he's a well-studied movie guy like he was for sure. He's a movie guy. And he so he has this depth of information and depth of knowledge about movies that he just inserts in. And um, it's why actually my favorite movies of his is Jackie Brown, which is an unpopular pick. Oh, okay. probably a favorite. Still, my favorite Tarantino movie. I love Jackie Brown because 
it's a send up of black exploitation movies, but it feels like a very original script, even though it's an adaptation from a book. Um, but oh, yeah, he's just that. so adept at that. Yeah, if Jackie Brown's an adapt, this is only this is the only thing he's done that was an, actually an adaptation of something. Uh, Once upon a time oh, wow. in Hollywood, I think is a book he was gonna write and publish, and then he turned it into a movie. Okay, I think. Uh, well, either way, that movie is good. Yeah. It's got a lot of his style. Oh. Um, so good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only other Tarantino movie I haven't seen. Is Jackie Brown at this point? It's so, so good. It's it's a slow burn. It's a out. slow burn, but. Yeah, Bale I feel Bonds like most of yeah, most of his movies are slow burns, including this one. I mean, it starts out, you know, obviously it starts out with the you know the whole breakfast scene, which was which was good. I liked that character building. You got to kind of know each one of the each one of the guys. Um, we get introduced to them and kind of their personalities and stuff. Uh, which I guess originally he just added that scene. Um, it wasn't part of like the original script the he diner? added that scene yeah the diner uh the beginning one wait with the whole um, tipping stuff yeah dude it's like yeah, my he favorite added... scene in the movie really <laughs> one of the reasons he added that scene was because of like mr blue didn't have any other dialogue throughout the entire movie so he wanted like... to give him his character an opportunity to have some sort why of, was mr know, blue in this movie honestly other. why was he there? that's what that was one of the no parts sense. that i was wondering he he didn't he didn't do anything he well he's part of the crew but i don't know he had, I, I think he was adds... part of the crew but he didn't he didn't get his own explicit like backstory he didn't no. get really any barely any he's screen time killed off screen it's the, even... the mystery of the whole movie because it goes from like the setting up of the heist to like the end where you see like the horrible ending of the heist but it's the mystery of like what the fuck happened. How did this shit go so wrong yeah. that like pulls you through the whole movie? So you're wondering. And they don't like, show you everything. No, and that, like who's gonna show up? Who's gonna walk through the door? Who's still alive? That. Who's still dead? Like that's what keeps you like enraptured and like sucked into this film. Mm-hmm. Which is it's really good. funny because I was. I mean, I was. I'm sure all of us have read up on this movie, but. Like since I hadn't seen it, I was trying to you know do some more reading on some of the the production stuff, and this movie was made on a, a shoestring budget. Um, I mean, originally he Tarantino had like his camera and well, like fifty thousand dollars or something, and then mm-hmm. he partnered up with Harvey Keitel. As, you know, Harvey Keitel came on as you know co-producing the film, so that brought in and got him up to one point five million for the budget. Wow, but, really? Like, this, yeah. So this movie was made on a very, very tight budget. And one of the reasons, initial reasons anyways, that he that Tarantino decided not to show the heist was because of budgetary hmm. restrictions. Um, but then he kind of just worked it in and liked the idea more and more of not showing it and just getting pieces of the story throughout the movie and through the dialogue, which I think makes it a stronger movie anyways. I mean, I would have liked, I think it would have been cool to see the heist, but like, I don't think we needed to. You know, oh, so I was like, people, pe- the, the act, their characters' reactions to the heist are more powerful than heist itself because, like you said, on that limited budget, it would have been terrible. <laughs> what would they have like? Yeah. You got to get a set. You got to clear. You got. You have to get a set. You have to clear out. You got to pay people to do things. Crew, all sorts of stuff. Keeping it basically in two rooms, like you said, basically one room for essentially really limits the scope, but allows you to be very focused. And this is a very focused, mm-hmm. tight movie. 
that feels very loose and fun because of how good the actors are and how good the dialogue is and how natural everything feels. So it's a really cool marriage of, again, this natural dialogue and this very simple setup that's given to you in these very well-paced dribs and drabs. It's, it really pulls you along beautifully for a first movie it's, <laughs> it's 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 incredible for a first movie i love movie. hearing like the weird production yeah. things when on movies that are done this cheap because they some of the corners that they cut like are really cool like the mr pink stealing the car after the robbery or whatever like they didn't have enough money to stop street traffic so they had to wait until the light turned green to actually film that scene because they're no doing it in way. like live real really? traffic like it's fucking it's crazy wow I love Mr. Yeah. Pink. He is my favorite. And it's the smartest one. Any scene he's in. I mean, Steve Buscemi is just He's like, so good. Come on. He's so genius. good. He's so come young on. in this. It's it's weird to see him back when, I don't know. <clears throat> he still looks the same, obviously. He's still got the Steve Buscemi eyes and whatnot. But, like, I don't know. He's all smooth and young. He's got that baby face to him again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back to Bill's point about how it was, you know, how it's a very tight movie like i wasn't expecting it to be so short i mean the runtime is only like a little over 90 minutes and i'm like wow okay i i didn't know like it was nearing the end of the movie and i'm like i feel like there's still a lot of loose ends that they have to tie up with these characters and you know how is this all gonna play out and then obviously we know in like the last five minutes of the movie it all kind of Literally. comes to a head yeah. which is like yeah it's it's uh, that last scene is incredible, but uh, yeah, it's, I almost wish it was, a, I, I guess it, I don't know. I, I was left wanting a little bit more, but I think that's kind of the beauty of the film is that it is short. It's a simple story and they, they kind of get in and out with it. You know, he doesn't really, you know, there's a lot of dialogue in this movie, which again, is a Tarantino staple, but, all of the dialogue is meaningful. There's no wasted lines or scenes in this movie. Mm, which there's I some think weird ones in there. I don't makes know. It... Tarantino, like, there's so much dialogue in Tarantino movies. I think he's just, he says shit just to say shit sometimes, like conversations that people have. Yeah, but that's, that's what, what makes him, character but that's what makes him relate. Because, like, it is everyone like in natural, movies, yeah. this is, I think this is one of the secret, like, ingredients he has, where he, he makes characters instantly like relatable like i feel mm -hmm. like i know these guys by the end of the movie i like truly feel like i know them like i don't i just saw indiana jones but i don't feel like i know indiana jones everyone's so right. stoic everyone is so like andor right and when we watch andor i keep telling people online as good as the show is every character is very flat they are just emotionless mm -hmm. angry oppressed people and i and it's beautiful but don't tell me that they acting like, and then you go see something that Tarantino does and you got guys who are losing their cool and then they're getting it under, under control, um, being fragile, crying, hugging, um, laughing, cracking jokes, like trying to fit in, you know, like everything he does in this movie, I think is a masterpiece when it comes to like getting these characters to feel real. I don't know. I just think watching his movies, then go, then go watch something else. Then you'll see it's to me, it's night and day. Dude, to your point, uh, the characters feeling real, like the the acting from everybody. I mean, everybody in this movie like brought their their best to these roles. Like it, they all felt so raw, you know. Mm -hmm. Like you, I feel like in some of the scenes there were like mistakes or like you know they kind of flubbed up their lines a little bit uh, because they were getting so in flubbed. like emotional and into yes. the 
dialogue that it felt natural. It felt like two people actually talking, having an argument or whatever, you know, a realistic conversation, you know. So I think that made it even better and it fleshed out the characters even more and it made it feel more realistic, like you were saying. But like when pink shows up to white, because like white is taking care of orange. Yes. And we're so mm-hmm. obsessed with that scene. Like, what is going on? Oh, my God. This starts with this guy, like, dying. You feel really bad for him. Incredible acting. And then and then we're like, all right, what? Pink's like, yo, we got to get the fuck out of here. We got to be professionals. Like, something's up. There's a fucking rat. I know there is. Something's wrong. We got to go. And just the way they go is, like, wash your face and calm down. It's just a long scene. But, like, I get so much enjoyment out of seeing these two guys panicking and then kind of calming the other one down and figuring out what the fuck just happened. Because we're trying to figure out what just happened. And just seeing those two going back and forth, I loved it. It gets to the point where, like, they're punching each other. And then Blonde shows up and it's just, like, I think it's perfectly executed. And every time somebody shows up, it's like, that was about the right time somebody needed to You're show instantly, up. Yeah. You're instantly, like, sucked into the conflict between the characters. You know, because it... Like I said it feels so real. It's almost like watching like uh you know two people argue in real life cuz like I don't know if two people are arguing out in public in real life or something you're probably going to stand there and watch, you know? Like you're it's just curiosity like what are these people talking about? What are they arguing about? So it's I get that feeling when I'm watching this movie. I'm like I I want to I want to know what happens next. Why? Told him where I was from a few days ago. It was just a natural conversation. What was telling him your name when you weren't supposed to? He asked. We had just gotten away from the cops. He just got shot. It was my fault he got shot. He's a fucking bloody mess. He's screaming. I swear to God, I thought he was gonna die right then and there. I'm trying to comfort him. Telling him not to worry, everything's going to be okay, I'm going to take care of him. And he asked me what my name was. I mean, the man was dying in my arms. What the fuck was I supposed to do? Tell him I'm sorry? I can't give out that fucking information. It's against the rules. I don't trust you enough. Or maybe I should have, but I couldn't. Fuck you and fuck Joe! Yeah, I'm sure it was a very beautiful scene between you. Don't fucking patronize me! question for you. Do they have a sheet on you where you're from? Yeah! Well, that's that then, man. I mean, Jesus Christ, I was worried about mugshot possibilities as it was. Now he knows A, your name, B, what you look like, C, where you're from, and D, what your specialty is. They're not gonna have to show him a hell of a lot of pictures for him to pick you out. I mean, that's it, right? They didn't tell him anything else. I can narrow down the selection. If I have to tell you again to back off, me and you are gonna go round and round. We ain't taking him to a hospital. We know he's gonna die. And I'm very sad about that, but some fellas are lucky and some ain't. What the fuck you touching me for, man? You wanna fuck with me? I'll show you who you're fucking with. You wanna shoot me, you little piece of shit? Go ahead, take a shot. Fuck you, White. I didn't create this situation, I'm dealing with it. You're acting like a first year fucking thief. I'm acting like a professional. They get him, they can get you. They get you, they get closer to me, and that can't happen. You looking at me like it's my fault? I didn't tell him my name. I didn't tell him where I was from. Shit, 15 minutes ago, you almost told me your name. 
Your buddy there is stuck in a situation you created. So if you want to throw bad looks away, throw him in a mirror. You kids shouldn't play so rough. Somebody's going to start crying. But there's a really tricky thing to that because, like, just like uh, Dave said, he overwrites. Tarantino overwrites, but his writing is so good, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. If anybody else tried mm. to do that, it would come off very amateurish. It would, it, it wouldn't work. But his writing is so good, and his visualization of the characters are so strong because they are simple, but they're they're strong. When they are going on these long conversations about Madonna songs and dick, 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 dick you know, all that sort of thing, it feels very natural, but it, it is overwritten. But again, no one else could do it quite like him. And boy, oh boy, that opening scene at the diner, I can't imagine this movie without that because it does, it's such a load bearing scene. Like mm-hmm. that's when we start to love our psychopaths. Uh, Reservoir right. Dogs and yes. Tarantino is very good at this. He's great at making lovable psychopaths. It's kind of the Soprano situation where Tony Soprano is likable and affable and you want to hang out with him. And he's a sociopath and he kills people. (laughs) And, you know, Walter White is the same thing in Breaking Bad. You kind of like Walter White. Even though he well, breaks bad, well, not towards no the one end. really. Should, no one should love Walter. Really, I can get to a whole Breaking Bad situation. It's my favorite show. That's ever. another conversation. Oh, that's another conversation. That's two hours Great right show. there. But these people are criminals, and you are rooting for them to do well. Like they are robbing mm-hmm. a diamond store, and it's just that wonderful mix of hey, let's get into the chair. In that opening scene, you are in the chair. Looking at these characters, they're telling jokes, and you're looking at Tarantino telling his story, and you're looking at these reactions, and it's you're so immediate. The camera, the right camera there angle in the conversation on that one is really low, and you're at like about shoulder length as yep. it's panning around the yep. around the table, and like that's like mm. the perfect the perfect metaphor for it. Right there, you're yeah, at the table. It's, yeah, it's very intimate. Mm-hmm. So in, within mm-hmm. three minutes, you like all these characters because they're fun, they're funny. They've got pinions mm. and they're talking like we're talking. They're just yeah, shooting, the, shooting the breeze. Except so. for Mr. I think Pink. I don't like his tipping stand. I, I can't yeah, stand Pink, that. Come on. His philosophy on tipping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with him. Yeah. Just on, throw no. a buck in, dude. No, mm. Pink is right. <laughs> Pink is absolutely right. No. <laughs> he, yes. he, does have a, he does have a good point, but. He makes a I strong it, argument. Tipping is out of control nowadays. Everything's swiping. They always sit 15%. I'm like, I ordered from Moe's the they other do day, default, that's and they true. had fifteen percent checked by default when I was ordering on the app. I'm like, that's get true. the fuck out! Come Listen, on, guys. Go if you didn't provide me, <laughs> I mean, I I do agree with him on some points, but like waitresses, I mm-hmm. will always tip a hundred percent of the time, like unless they do something egregiously bad, you know. But uh, these like, yeah, tipping at like Chipotle or something, or like Panera. Like, what did you, you took my order and did it on a, on a cash register no yeah but there's, he makes a good a, point a that's line. their job and i'm sorry but that's your job that just do your so job. you don't like, tip why do waitresses I have to... brandon no i do tip because society yes, tells do. me to and i tip well <laughs> <laughs> i tip I, i'm just with pink i'm like i hate tipping i don't get it because like i provide a service it is, i provide but... a service for people and i like rarely the... get it extra on top of what i did for them they aren't making minimum wage which is the fallacy about waitressing because when i was waiting tables we made like four or five bucks an hour and then you got to like make up the rest of it with tips right hope you have a fucking good night so why don't they just change it so they are paid minimum wage that's because they get matt stone and matt stone and trey parker just bought uh casa bonita in denver 
I guess they've had it on South Park a couple times, but they actually did that where they pay people like if you're a waitress, you just make sixty thousand bucks a year and that's what you make. Like you don't get tips. Yeah. Like that's I'm okay with are, that. Some people didn't like it. Some people could make more, but I don't know. It's just something funny. Yeah. Well, I, I agree I with you know, though. But, they but, should just pay them regular. These just, are, yeah. But Bill, Billy made a good point, right? So these are supposed to be people by society's terms, like we should not like these people. Right. These are bad guys. These are the guys that are mm-hmm. going around robbing places, shooting people up. Right. Shooting cops. We shouldn't like them. Criminals. But, parolees. But we see about their personality and like you see some code of ethics amongst the thieves kind of thing, which is what draws oh. us in. Right. Dave always says all the time. They're like the Han Solo character. Alpha bros. Where he's like a scoundrel with a heart of gold. Right. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get that with um, true. like with White. Right. Mr. White. Like yes. he, there's a decent man there, but he will do yes. what he has to do to get through the job, cutting people's fingers off, robbing whatever, shooting cops, <laughs> cutting people's fingers off. It's good, but yeah, like I mean, you see it when Mister Blonde goes psycho. Like he's he's visibly physically upset about you know him shooting just random people. Like that's the fucking line that he crossed that you do not do that. But it is true. Like that's why I felt like this is. You could tell that this is Quentin's some of his earlier work because literally every character in this is kind of just like a alpha bro racist criminal. Like they all have that same archetype, right. but there's like different versions. Like there's not even like is there a woman in this movie anywhere? Like there's one that gets pulled out of a car. Yeah, and there's shot. one that gets pulled out of a car. That's about <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Like, one, it, I can't one shot and one shoots up. Yeah, orange. that's true. Yeah. Shit, oh, right. shot. I can't Shit see women like. This feels like a dude's movie, though, to me. Like, it is about a bank robbery. The language in it is, you know, rough, as, you know, a lot of Tarantino movies are. But it's, you know, the lack of female representation. I could see women not. There was really no women's feet as much, but in I, this movie. I looked it what? up. There are no women's feet in this movie. I, I was a piece of my <laughs> no. research for this particular <laughs> podcast, gents. Uh, I want to make sure. Is, no feet. Interesting. <laughs> weirdly creepy, but mm, <laughs> no feet. It's this thing. Yeah, I think film. he started that in uh, Pulp Fiction, maybe. Yeah, there's some. Did he? What was the feet? All Tarant- the foot massages. Tarantino massages. always has to have remember. women's feet. Watch. Um, uh, we were talking Hollywood. about Dust Till Dawn recently. Mm-hmm. Where like he wrote the character to like suck tequila off a woman's foot Selma as it's Heist getting poured foot. down her leg, and then he cast himself in that yeah. role, <laughs> which is stuff, which Whoa. is even funnier. Right. Like, right. Yeah, you know, he's got some weird stuff to him. He's but... a weird guy. He can write a fuck of a script. Yeah. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yeah. Um, I would. I would say another thing that he's really good at is music. I remember. That's, I was um, gonna bring that up next. He was one of the first directors where I, when I watched his movie, it made me just see things I'd never really saw in a movie before, and it was like his use of music. Um. So I remember watching Pulp Fiction first. I think that was the first movie I saw. And I remember the music just being so fun and like just from the start, you know, like, what is this song? I was like, what is this song? This is so catchy. And it's like an old ass song. I'm like, oh, and people are like, oh, yeah, this Tarantino's thing. Dude loves like he's always like pulling things that influence him and like music is a big part of it. And I'm like, because you watch other movies and just like throw new songs in the movie to kind of help sell the song through the movie. But when you get a guy like this, he's like, like. Scorsese does with he doesn't um, give a shit the stones <laughs> you know yeah so he's pulling these so this movie you know 
what was the song stuck in the middle with you there's a couple yeah, other songs that one. are little green really bag in the beginning like i when i was at film school back when i was in my 20s uh one of my my rhetoric teachers like they're talking about sound and films and whatever and he's explaining like how music can have an effect on things so like they showed you know a video of you know him just walking you know down the street or something like that just complete silence it just looks like a dude walking down the street add a background music to it with him walking down the street and all of a sudden that just normal scene just becomes fucking really cool all well you can you like can also make it to like, do the make it stuff. how yeah you can make that scene however you want it to be depending mm-hmm. on the type of music you know if it's like tense you know suspenseful music maybe something's about to happen to this guy if it's happy cheerful music this guy is yeah. having a you know great time so music but in this in this helps. movie it seems like sometimes the music is in the world, and I really like that. So there's a scene yeah. where Mr. Orange is in his apartment just before he goes out to do the job, and he's like psyching himself up and all this stuff, and he's listening to music, and then he turns the music off. I'm like, oh, okay, he turned it off. And then the same thing happens with um, Blonde, Mr. Blonde, when he's torturing the police officer. He's like, oh, suck, I gotta get something out of my car. And he's listening to that song he was dancing to, Stuck in the Middle with You, and then the camera just follows him and then he goes well, yeah, outside he turned on he turned the, on the radio you know in the warehouse yeah. and the door closed and oh my god it was just great when you music come back cuts there's out. no music then huh. yeah but i when, didn't notice that but when he goes to the, when he's done with the car he goes back you hear walking winds birds kids playing in the background it's like it's like but we know what's going on inside that fucking warehouse and then the music goes on and it's like supposed to be a joyful stuff but this is like a very horrible scene you know he's like it is weird though and i love the that. dichotomy of the music like the little green bag song when they're doing the slow-mo walk when they're all oh, wearing yeah. their suits like that's you said something about the style that tarantino brought and like that just oozes like it's such a cool little little beat to it and you know kind of you know it's got a little upbeat to it and, you know, makes it makes it fun mm-hmm. or even you know yeah playing happy music when you're torturing people. <laughs> well, it's very intentional, right? And it's also that yeah. scene, of course, the famous ear-cutting off scene with, with Mr. Blonde. I always get the names wrong, Mr. Blonde, Mike Madsen. Yeah. He, uh, it, it's so intentional because, you right, you have this, like, happy, bouncy song, and you have this character who, of all the characters, is clearly the most wild, but he's not even that wild. He's not traditional, creepy, scary, crazy person. He just really enjoys inflicting pain on people for a purpose where everybody else are these professionals, where it's their job. Like it's Harvey Keitel's job to do this. It's like he doesn't want to go forward. But when you have that music, you know, stuck in the middle with you and he's kind of bopping along to it while he's slashing you with a straight razor. It's this really cool dichotomy that's that's uncomfortable, but oddly fun. And Tarantino has said in interviews a number of times how about violence in movies because that's always a big thing whenever a Tarantino movie comes out his thing is violence can be fun like this stuff is sometimes <laughs> really fun and that scene is, an, is a is a really good encapsulation of that using character and music to really create a scene that's tense but still kind of fun it's it plays with your brain in a lot of weird ways it's, it's so good I think the uh, I mean especially the violence during this scene it is it's more like Tarantino obviously later is more known for like over the top, like unrealistic violence. But this in this movie, it feels real. It feels raw. It feels like, you know, intentional. Um, And apparently 
during like one of the uh, initial screenings of this movie, like at the Sundance Film Festival or whatever, Wes Craven actually walked out of the screening of this movie because it was too like intense, like violence for him. <laughs> on. Is funny. that true? That is true. Apparently, allegedly creepy shit. So he? Tarantino but, said there's one scene he shot two versions of, and it was the cutting of the ear. So there's the version that we saw. There's another version which was behind the uh, behind the officer's back, and you mm-hmm. see him okay. grab the ear and cutting the ear off. Right, right. I yep. wonder if he saw that version in the screening. Could have been. I that th- clip th- on YouTube was like, wow, that's. Pretty Apparently, gross. there was an like an interview, or you know, Tarantino wow. later said, or someone said that uh, the reason he walked out, or Wes Wes Craven was defending himself, saying like, you know. I had a pee. It, it was the use of violence, you know, uh, making it like fun and, you know, like you said, sort of like playful a little bit rather than like, you know, making a, a point with it. But I could I could I mean, I could go with Wes Craven's what wrote screen films. He wrote it's a ho- yeah. on Elm Street. Horror movies. Like, he's, like the he's got horror, some. Or, mm-hmm. He's got some. Yeah. That's a lot of I don't know. I, I don't know. That's weird. That's a weird. Yeah, weird I thought that was well, Tarantino. Yeah, you know, I don't know. He he did a good job. Too many with, I bombs. The violence on this. It wasn't. I don't think it was over the top. I think he gets a no. little bit. So I want to go back to Mr. Blonde only because what's interesting is how he shows off Mr. Blonde. You know, he's handsome. He's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He seems. This is just when like Michael Madsen standard. was still handsome. Yeah. <laughs> now he's uh, looking a little rough. Yeah, sure, not great. Yeah, but in this in this role, like he's like he's really cool the way he smokes cigarettes. Every time I see it, the way he like 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 sucks in the the smoke and like I don't know, it's like I don't smoke cigarettes, but he makes me want to smoke a cigarette just to do to play around with smoke. Like he's just the smoke puffs. Yeah. Yeah, very. I can't stop the way watching. He drinks him. a the way he drinks a soda and leans on a wall. Mm. Like that is, that <laughs> oh is yeah, cool guy shit right there. Yeah, very cool in this role. <laughs> but I love how cool he is, and everything that they're saying about him. This fucking guy, this fucking psychopath. This is the fuck. Like you know, like the way they talk about. It, we don't know. It's like you see what he did. Yeah, he just shot that black girl. Just shot her. How old do you think she was? Twenty, twenty-one at most. And it's just like yeah. Like, what did he do, you know? And even still, when he comes in, he's still cool. And he tortures the cop, and he's very, like, calm about it. It's like, this is how you... Because it's like Jaws, right? Like, not seeing the shark lets your brain go wild. Like, what did he do? What what was he... He was just shooting mm-hmm. up, like, strangers, like, just innocent people? Like, this guy's a scumbag. What we see, we don't see a scumbag up until like, torturing the cop at that point. It just seems like a normal guy, but you're hearing everybody... Mm-hmm. So I was expecting him to kick down the door like, ah, let's kill. You know, and he's not. He's just like, I got, I got a little treat for everybody. Let's go check it out. And he's like drinking soda and shit. It's just. <laughs> well, that's the thing about it's about this movie nice. too. Like well throughout done. it, each character has their perception of a different another character. You know, and it like you said, it's the same how they perceived Mister Blonde and like how you know mr white is always protecting mr orange and you know stuff like that so every character has their perception of every you know each other because they're constantly trying to figure out who's the rat so they're trying to look for reasons 
of why someone would have ratted them out or something in their character that's tra- that's giving them away. We so. don't know the rat mm-hmm. though until right. like that's halfway the, right until later. We get right, Orange's story. Like halfway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's the that's the good twist. How did you like that twist, Eric? That one. Like, did, did you could did you know who it was? No, before? I had no idea. You couldn't. Who figure do you out? think okay. it was? I didn't really have any idea. I was just kind of along for the Blue, ride, Mr. Blue. You know. Mr. Blue. <laughs> that fucking guy. I thought it might have been, yeah, Mr. Blue or Mr. Brown because they weren't really in the picture at that point. So they were, they might have been off doing something with the cops or whatever. But like, no, that whole Mr. Orange reveal, I was not expecting that at all. And I think that was a cool twist because like the guy dying on a floor with a gunshot in exactly. his gut was not the one you're expecting to be the rat. Right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. So it just comes out of nowhere. And like when he. When you know Mr. Blonde was about to set the other cop on fire, the at the point where Mr. Orange takes out his gun and shoots down Mr. Blonde, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I didn't know at that point. You still don't know he's a cop. I thought maybe he was just had a change of heart and was or had you know, a code, right? Was yeah, defending this mm-hmm. cop or whatever, or he was just out of his mind because he was dying and he didn't know what he was doing. Because there was right. the way he was holding the gun, it didn't seem like he was like in the right headspace. So I was like, maybe he's just like, you know, gone right. crazy. But then it was revealed that he's a cop. I'm like, oh, that's a yeah, that's a really good. Do you think they really could have done twist. more with Orange's backstory though, like like having a daughter or a wife well, or anything like that? I think they I did know. enough. I, I don't know. They it made was, him... it would probably take too much to get to that. But I I really like the the section where it shows him like learning the story and going undercover. Yeah. Cause as he's telling the story, you get it from like him talking to the cop and then him practicing at home and then him actually being good at it. And then it just like, as he's finishing the story, he's finishing it to Joe and the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. It was a cool, like way to see him get ingrained himself into the crew, like how he got in there and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was, was it, like nice, like nice guy. Cool like, wait, why, why would this guy need weed at a train? I don't know. He, he, he was in a hurry. I don't know. Forget it's, about it. And I was watching a video the other day, and it was a a former undercover cop talking about undercover cops in movies. And they bring up Reservoir Dogs. And the person on the video basically said that the way Tim Roth prepares is very accurate because when you are become when you go undercover, you need to build your fiction. You need mm-hmm. to build your story. You need to know everything about your fake self. That way, when you're in that situation and someone throws you a curveball, well, wait, why was he doing there? You can react in a natural way. So it really is very accurate to how a police officer would prepare for an undercover mission. And I, I, that progression is really good because you see the progression of the – you basically see him preparing for the role, right? He's sitting mm-hmm. there on book and he's reading the story and he's reading the joke over and over. And just like uh, Samuel Jackson says to him, you take the important things and you make everything else your own. And that way, it's just like how you tell a good joke. You know, you the important beats you you memorize, and everything else you kind of just make your own, so it works. So it's a really not good. Sam, and it, and, and we're Jackson, talking about. Oh, <laughs> was that? It's it's uh, what's his name? Oh, it's right. No, I'm sorry. I don't know why. Randy Brooks. Thank you. I'm. Why did I say Sam Jackson? Yep. Okay. Because Sam because Jackson is in every, is other, in Tarantino every Tarantino other Tarantino movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for correcting me on that one. No um, but you're also saying how they hide. 
hide the identity of you know, Mr. Orange because at the very beginning, him and Harvey Keitel have this really father-son moment. He's dying in the back. You're okay. And, You're okay. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> well, but dude, Say like the that's fucking words, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, but it's 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 uh. Yeah, so you have so that bond is there. So as the audience, you're like, there's no, he can't be it. He's in there dying, like bleeding, right. like a stuck pig. And sure enough, when it turns around, he just got caught in a crossfire. It's so good. Mm. It's just it's Which, really yeah, the way good that that happens. Like carjacking some old lady in the '70s with a cookie bush, or and that's what this is the '80s that this is happening in. Yeah, but. Yeah, that's a that's a tough. Was way it? To go. Wait, uh, yeah. This was movie it supposed... took place in the eighties? I thought it just took place in nineteen ninety two. That's what I, I, I thought. It just took were... place in the year of the the movie, but I guess I didn't realize that. Probably was... could have. I don't know. I thought it seemed like it was a little. Well, they had like, cell they phones. Did have the big, they had the big fat cell phone. Yeah, so it was probably. Mr. Yeah, Orange had a 90s. smaller like flip phone too with an antenna. Or oh, the one that the, flipped the star out. Tech. Nice guy, Eddie. Definitely yeah, did with his jumpsuit. He was just yeah. That dude was fun, funny because, well, we didn't really go through the cast, but that's Chris Penn, which is mm-hmm. Sean Penn's, what, little brother? Yeah. I think that's right. But yeah. I didn't, I I recognize his face, but I'm like, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, why isn't this guy in movies anymore? And I didn't know that he actually passed away like in 2006, like almost 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh. If they, if they made but, the, like a remake or a sequel or whatever to this movie. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. It's gotta be f- fucking what's his name jonah hill yes yeah, thank you. i was thinking jonah hill <laughs> the <perfect>. whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like is this guy jonah that's hill fucking i'm like good. i know it's so not good. but it looks like that's him he acts good. like him i'm like okay that is good perfect it perfect. is holy shit wow i was like something <laughs> about him is familiar it's jonah hill jonah hill needs to wear uh, fucking suit, please. The track I suit, see, like, yeah. The blue jumpsuit? The track yeah, suit, yeah. Yeah, the track yep. suit. Fucking A, that be pretty good. good. Pretty good. For being, like, his first movie, too, I'm kind of shocked we're just saying the cast. Like, the level of actors that he has in this movie for it being, like... But he, that's his thing. His He's got his own direct, personal book. Debut. He doesn't go but, by Hollywood's book. He goes by his own book. He's like, I like that person because they can act and I can use them in this story, though. Yeah, but the fact that, like... Lie. Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Steve Buscemi, like, and then he's he always handpicks like the old guys, like uh, for Hateful Eight, he was using um, Kurt Russell. What's his name? Kurt Russell. Thank you. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm whiffing on names today, but like the, yeah. the the actors that he gets for his movies, like like you said, they can fucking act. But like, I don't know. Even being in the early '90s, like these guys were young, but like they they were good. And they uh, they knew their craft. Like, this well, movie apparently blew me uh, away with the acting. I was good. Well, uh, speaking of acting, apparently um, Quentin Tarantino himself originally was gonna cast himself as the role of Mister Pink, but when Steve Buscemi mm-hmm. came in and auditioned, he was yeah. like, Steve Buscemi wanted to be Mister Pink, and Quentin yeah. Tarantino was like, the only way you're gonna be Mister Pink is if you you know blow this audition out of the water, and he did so. He was just obviously blown away by Steve Buscemi's acting, so he's like, "All right, you can have this part." I I've already confessed my fave is Mr. Pink. Sometimes it's Mr. White, but I think it's Pink. Do you? Does anybody else have a fave uh, fave guy? That's tough. I I don't know. I feel like the easy pick is Mr. White, um, but 
which is great. I like. Great. I, lo- I just love Harvey Ty- Keitel's character. Like it's just so good. Like his code. Like I we were saying that... before, is yeah. is he has a code. He's not just like a cold blooded criminal. You know, mm-hmm. like this. He's a career criminal. He knows what he's doing, and he has uh, a set of morals that he lives by. And if you know, if someone disagrees with him, he's willing to stand up for it and fight for it. So. I really like the uh, Mr. Pink is probably my favorite because I'm a huge Steve Buscemi fan. He's just again national treasure. But I love the boss, the 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 main boss, (laughs) Joe. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, thank you. He's. I love the fact that your first introduction to him is in that diner scene, and he's clearly the boss. Like, you got pay for your goddamn breakfast. You know, like he's the boss. But the next time you see him, he's on the phone with somebody saying, don't worry about it. You had a couple of bad months. That's fine. Pay me when you can. And here you go. He's just like this mob boss tech. You know, let's say say mob boss. He's not breaking kneecaps because you didn't pay him on time. He's saying you had a couple of bad months. It's okay. Get back to me. And that's creating a really cool character that you like. I like this guy, even though he's running a crime syndicate of some sort, you know, fencing diamonds and whatnot. And I just, I just love his delivery and yeah. every scene he's in, he's, he kind of steals, especially in that scene where they're kind of planning the caper mm-hmm. and it's whole back and forth, Mr. Pink, it's oh, highway yeah. or the highway. What's it going to be, Mr. Pink? It's, <laughs> it's, he just commands a presence. Like he's the boss. He's in charge and I'll laugh and roll around with you guys when it's done. But uh, he's, yeah, I just I love that <laughs> that yeah. just mix of someone who's good. clearly dangerous and very fun, kind of like if I may just go back two seconds to uh, Mr. Blonde, where you were saying how 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 cool it is that he was a crazy person, but you don't really know it. There's really nothing scarier than the psycho you can't see, because mm-hmm. he because he's the psycho you can't see. He comes in, he's completely in control, but he is. He's completely unhinged. And that's why there's that one moment when he's approaching the cop. And I think he like pushes the chair out of the way, but does it violently. Like he violently pushes something out of the way. I think it was like a chair or something. And it gives you this jump like, okay, this guy means business. Um, Again, it's just that control is really, really cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When, when, uh, what is it? Pink and white leave with, uh, with nice guy, Eddie to go get the diamonds or whatever. Like the camera stays in that same spot. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Uh, Blonde's up there smoking a cigarette. And all of a sudden, you just see his head just go, boop, and just, like, poke back over towards the cop. And you're like, oh, this guy's <laughs> going to do something. Like, it's I don't like know. he was waiting for them to If I to say leave. Mr. Blonde is my favorite, does that make me fucked up? Yeah, you're a psycho. No. I, <laughs> gotta love Mr. White. Gotta love Mr. White. Mr. White feels like he, sh- he, like he should be, like, a character in a GTA game or something like that. Like, He's Michael uh, from GTA like 5. A, yeah. Like a likable, yeah. likable yeah. crime lifer i don't know what you want to call him but yeah a lifer that's a good way of putting it yeah like a lifer like this is just my gig it's the job that's what he does yeah (laughs) you know mr pink is the smartest though let's be honest he was right the whole goddamn time and i mean i mean if he was smarter he would have just left he would have trusted his instincts but he even admits that earlier like when he was talking about the job saying that he knew that something was wrong and you know and should have followed his own instincts and at the end well Spoiler alert! Does does he get murdered when he leaves the building? Leaves the, leave the warehouse with a diamond? It's implied. You can hear the sirens. Mm-hmm. You can hear the gunfire after he leaves. Is there gunfire there, after he leaves? Yeah, it, there's gunfire. Go okay. back when both white and orange are having their last moment together. 
mm-hmm. and they're blo- both bloody and they're like holding we, each we, other. We can hear right before As the cops come. You'll out. hear it. You're like, they're like, you can hear okay. the cops muffled yelling to somebody and shots going off. Did he make it? Maybe he he is lucky. Mm. He was being shot at throughout the whole movie. He's the only one that doesn't have a blood on him. So it's not. I don't think I'm he not made convinced. It. I, I, I think it's more fun if he makes it just because it goes against everybody's theory that he didn't make it. But mm-hmm. um, we also don't know if Orange dies. Like it's they don't. He purposely moves the camera to white. Now I'm sure he probably shot Orange in the head because he's like fuck, fuck it, you know, and I'm well, gonna take you out. Fuck this guy, yeah. But, but we don't see it. He no. could have shot. He could have done this. He could have done that. He could have done anything. He could have just shot in frustration. He said, I'll just fucking die. Enough people have died. I don't know. I mean, I he'll, 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 he'll kill cops. So this is the one that's like the rat, but. I have a question. Why do you think Orange told White he was a cop? Because, dude, he took care he of him took a, in his yeah. last hours of The father life. figure. And he's like, yeah. this is a good guy. Like, yeah, he did bad things. He did kill all the cops. But, like, there is a good man in some way. And he yeah. truly cared about me. I think and I it's, think at that moment, there's a brotherhood. I think it's part a Brewers of, fan. That's why. Partly that. Yep. Partly, I think Mr. Orange feels absolutely terrible for all everything that he caused. You know, he you can tell. I mean, obviously, when he shoots the lady when they're doing the carjacking, like you can see the look on his face and he feels He's like, horrible. you know, just kills him like he had to he had to do it or else he would have you know he would have been i guess he didn't have to do it but like it was a it was a tight it was more of a reactionary thing you know he had a gun in his hand he got shot you know so it was just a mistake but and then he's the cause of the mexican standoff at the end where everybody else dies so i think he's just like he's like all right this has gone far enough i just need you know need to come clean can we can we talk about the mexican standoff real quick sure yeah because i want to get some clarity about what happened here. i so. also do this was another one of my questions joe what, is pointing at orange yes i White watched it like five times joe. so did yeah. i i rewound really? it so i'm like what who happened shot nice guy eddie exactly nice guy that is my question too is my question no, white white shot both that, i mean that, that's that's what, what i, I assumed but joe was pointed at white white was pointed at joe eddie was pointed at white so, joe was aiming at orange right right and yeah and white was aiming at joe uh so yeah it must have been white shot both eddie and joe like boom boom because there was nobody else there with a gun pointed at either of them i'm not a thousand percent sure he was there, but he was hiding under the stairs like a little bitch. <laughs> no, Pink didn't do it. No, if anything, Orange, and Orange always had a gun on him. It is. Yeah, but he, he, he used blind. all his he used all his ammo yeah. when he shot. But then didn't he load it up again? And he was like freaking out because he was like getting ready to shoot him again. Wasn't he like? I could have sworn. I think he was he was empty. He had a yeah. He had a, he was yeah. He didn't have anything in him. It is interesting. Uh, I did. I rewound that scene like five times too. I'm like, yeah. Who shot you? You rewind it and it goes back ten seconds and it's always Eddie. He's like, yep. uh, like, like Sam or Bill. Whatever he says is real and he's like, stop aiming at my dad. Yeah. Where? yeah. And then I kept rewinding and I kept going to that to that line. Um, but yeah, that all happens at the very end of the movie. It's just like, oh fuck, they all just died. Mm-hmm. And then Pink comes yep. out. And he's just like. 
Mm. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says like self-preservation <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So he grabs the diamonds. People think he gets a, he gets killed, but here's the thing: there is a there is a true connection to Pulp Fiction. There is a um, Tarantino verse, right? Mm-hmm. So, sure. They always say Wallace, Marcel Wallace, is hunting down the diamonds in that bag or it's his soul or whatever but he's going for that bag that briefcase rather I'm sorry briefcase in, in Pulp Fiction and uh, he opens up and he sees the yellow thing so is it the diamonds we don't know some people say that's that but most importantly Mr. Blonde we learn his name it's the same last name as John Travolta's character's name in Pulp Fiction so Pulp Fiction they're brothers so it's confirmed. Tarantino said they're brothers, and he was planning on making a prequel movie starring John Travolta and Michael that Madsen. Sick. That would have been good. But that would have been cool. By the time he wanted to make it, they were both too old, so he scrapped the whole thing. So, okay. But yeah, he planned on he planned on doing that, which would have been. There's sweet. something else with like. Uh, so, but that's so that, that means that Pink got away, though. Sorry, but that just means that Pink got away, right? Because if if the diamonds, if it that's what's in the briefcase, if. That's what's in the briefcase. technically, but sorry. That's so, but when Mr. Pink, because Mr. Pink's, because Mr. Pink stashes the diamonds though, because that's what he says. Because he says, "Where are the diamonds? Oh, I stashed them." And the, and but that's he brings what he them back towards the beginning. He does bring them back. Yeah, because Eddie's like go to drop okay. off the car. Eddie tells them like, right. bring back the diamonds to the where. So they do go get the bag. I want to. Th- I think he's. I think he survives. I think he survives. It's more fun to and think he survives for sure. I think I think it's, that's just a, a, a fiction I'm choosing, but I, <laughs> I think he survives. And you also, I think someone mentioned the final song of the movie, which is "Lime and the Coconut." It kind of has song. this almost like tropical vibe, where it's like he's oh, on yeah. vacation. He ran he has yeah, the diamonds, he got away. He got away, okay. and now he's got the lime and the coconut. Uh, of course, it's a cute thing about the belly ache. You know, I can make that connection with Mr. Orange and his little belly ache. But oh, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm, I'm reading into it. Cool. I may be making my own fiction. I'm just I choosing. Didn't, I'm, I didn't get that, but I could see it. That's interesting. I mean, with Tarantino, ah. I mean, there yeah, are never know. The guy know. is very crafty when he picks a song. Nilsson's Every Nilsen, Very intentional. Right? Whatever album that was. Yeah, yep. great song. Yeah. Also, I Nine. wanted to clear another thing up. It's implied that Orange shot and killed brown right no i don't so, think no. so orange was not trying to get anybody so then killed. i don't understand what happened to, in that scene he's then. trying to draw joe so why would he kill any of those guys how did how did brown die then i don't understand he got shot up when the, the cops showed up the, and they had like all these head shot, was already bleeding yeah but he didn't get shot in the head at that point, he. I, they, I think they said he got a, shot in the head at some point. He was bleeding. And yeah, he was, getting yeah, his he eyes was bleeding from see. the. Yeah, but okay, so let's go back to that scene. He was bleeding. If he had gotten shot in the head at that point, he would already be dead. So he, it must have been some other injury. Not in the head, but maybe it went off his head. Hey, I, I don't buy he's it. He's only mostly dead when he's Dude, driving. Who knows? It could have nicked a part yeah, of his head. They crashed the car. Down. White jumps out, shoots at the cops, and then by the time he gets back, Brown's dead. And the only other right. one standing like, he, there was he Orange. Crashed, he crashed the car because he's like losing blood and he can't see and he doesn't know what yeah, the fuck Blood in his eyes, like, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he probably blood was also just eyes, losing his vision because his, his body was dying. Like, he probably yeah. just I don't took a it. bullet somewhere. If he was shot in the head, <laughs> he would be dead. I'm, I'm glad because I don't know if this is just me, but I really can't stand Tarantino acting 
and it's really bad in Pulp Fiction. Like I can't stand yeah. it. Yeah. It's yeah, not. It great. is kind of. It's not great. It is cringy, but it's almost like he gives himself like trying to be edgy lines where you know Pulp Fiction has a couple of them, but this one where he's talking about the Madonna song, where like where he just wanted to be the one saying the vulgar stuff. Right. Or, I don't know. Just Tarantino in his own like his movies bugs me. I, I should watch From Dust Till Dawn again to see like him outside of his movies, but um, well, he's in the first half of that movie and he's that's actually his best yeah. acting i think he's actually yeah but that's not really one talk. of his movies though right yeah. no no rodriguez did that rodriguez i was gonna say yeah robert rodriguez. rodriguez did that one yep mm-hmm. yep yeah. i think tarantino wrote it though i'm pretty sure tarantino yes. wrote it he did not, oh because yeah. he because he put the feet in his own mouth that's <laughs> indeed there you go. as you would I forgot about that there we go. I made an edit. So you know how Selma Hayek just <laughs> yeah. signed up to be in the movie? So I was thinking this would be a really cool scene. Like, dude, <laughs> you know I'm like a rising director, right? Like, I'm pretty much leading Hollywood right now. So he's like, sure. I can do uh, this. I, I deserve the feet in my mouth. I think I've earned it at this point. Yeah. Gross. Not to sound like a perv, but Selma Hayek has aged incredibly well. Just throwing that out there. Because <laughs> Hollywood does like chew up and spit out some of these female actors. She was and in uh, she the new season age. of Black Mirror, and she looked fantastic. She really? looks fantastic. Black She's Mirror at 56, good. so good for her. Yeah. Yeah, good for her. For sure. Awesome. And her millions <laughs> of dollars. Um, yes. Anyway. <laughs> so I think we could, I don't know, I mean, a lot of people have seen this movie. You know, we're really just kind of reacting to it. I would like to let Bill have a moment. Just, you know, you, you were asked to be on this episode. Is there... Um, a story you have or like what 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 is it about this movie that maybe you would like to just kind of gush about or talk about or hit on or anything really yeah man so i think i first saw i think my first tarantino exposure was like everyone else with with pulp fiction you know and once you see pulp fiction now you're enamored with tarantino as a as a director and i think reservoir dogs was right after that and i've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times i used to uh my first job out of college i traveled two-thirds of the year and I was always in different cities and states for four to six months at a str- four to six weeks at a stretch. And I always brought with me a DVD player that I would, of course, connect up to whatever hotel TV I had. I would bring like little bolt cutters because back in the old days of TVs and hotels, they'd have a little connection on the back of it where you couldn't take off the coax and connect mm-hmm. something else. because They want you to buy their movies. So I'd bring a little tool that could like snap the thing off. So I was there for six weeks, right? And I would bring a DVD player and a binder of DVDs. And Reservoir Dogs was always on that. It was one of my comfort food movies for for years. So I've seen this movie probably, without exaggeration, maybe 50 times. I couldn't couldn't tell you. Oh, my goodness. And this is one of those movies that you see. Now, I'm not a filmmaker. I have done some writing in my past. I've done some short fiction in my past. My brother's a filmmaker. He's an editor. He's a professional editor. Oh, I love it. Nice. This is one of those movies you look at and you say, well, I think I could do this. Like it has such a – and it's one of those movies where, I, yeah, I just – you look at this, you're like, I could probably do this. I can get some friends together who are pretty good actors. I can get some scenes. And you know you're not going to be as good as Tarantino, but it has this well-worn sensibility to it. It feels very lived in. And watching it again for this recording – I was just again really struck on again how good of course he is at dialogue, but how natural and fun these crazy characters are, and how adept he is at pacing too. He is a he's a master of pacing master in all of his yeah. movies. He yeah. understands pacing better than most directors. 
and which is vital when you have a movie that's basically shot in one room <laughs> for the most yeah, part. It's other, like a stage with play. some exceptions. Yeah, it's like a stage play. Exactly right. Hmm. Um, so this is a movie I have a lot of heart for. I just have a lot of heart for it because I think and I've seen every Tarantino movie multiple times. This is probably top three or top four. I mean, my favorite is Jackie Brown. Yeah. I just I just adore that movie so much. I know it sounds like me being trying me trying to be a cool kid. Um, and again, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think is absolutely wonderful. Uh, but this good, is probably right? number three or four. Oh, it's okay. great. Oh, it's really so good. good. Oh, it's so good. Isn't um, one of the better. Yeah. So for me, I just this is one of those movies where I just have a lot of heart for it because it it kept me a lot of company during three years of my life, my early 20s, where I was tr- always away traveling to different places. And again, this is a, it's a short movie, relatively. It's comfort <clears throat> food, 90 minutes. Yep. I could put it on and just watch it and eat chips and and be at home with this and, and really enjoy it. So hmm. I love so, this movie. It's fantastic. So uh, how do you feel about – I mean, I don't think it's going to happen now, but did you hear the rumor where – Tarantino, Tarantino was going to do a Star Trek movie because he's a big Star Trek mm-hmm. fan. Oh, and yeah. when I first heard that, I thought like, I mean, that's weird. I'm okay with weird. But then I, I thought about it. I was like, well, fuck. Star Trek is all talking. It really is. It's not like Star Wars with lightsabers uh, over lava mm-hmm. planets. You know, it's totally different. Star Trek is a lot of like sitting down in, in a battle of wits. And I was like, man, could you imagine having Tarantino doing a Star Trek movie? It probably would be awesome, but I think happen. it'd be great. I would, would love to see a Tarantino <laughs> that would get Star. Get me into Star Trek, I, 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 and I'm really like Star Trek. I'm more Star Trek than Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. I'm like, eh, it's fine, but I really like Star Trek, and I just like, for exactly that reason, I think his sense of dialogue, his adeptness at pacing, and I just think he would really do Star Trek well. Get some it wouldn't violence. be like a Josh Abrams. And it'd be violent. It'd be violence. And it'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, Klingon bite somebody's nose off. Who knows what he's gonna throw in there? <laughs> Klingon drops the F word. Just like yeah. did that just happen? <laughs> it's almost all in Klingon, so it's like subtitle. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's got. It's like drinking like a soda, flicking a cigarette. Like what is going on? With Klingon? <laughs> it's got his little bot flaw, whatever that stupid blade thing <laughs> is in his hand, yeah. picking yeah. his teeth. <laughs> I I think it'd be really cool, and because again he he loves genres, and he's a genre guy, and every one of his movies is a adaptation of a genre in his own vision, and I would love to see him do Space Saga. I I would definitely take Tarantino uh, Star Trek over you know Abrams Star Trek, which really oh, just yeah. Star Wars, yeah. which I like those movies too. They're actually fine those movies, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really, I would love to see him just take a stab at that, but we'll see. Yeah, I think he has one movie left, The Critic. I think that's right. Oh, so please, I, he's not even that old. He'll be back. Like it's like fucking, yeah. like Jay Z saying he's retiring. Like <laughs> you know, we're gonna be back with a fucking album in like three years. Just stop it. Well, let's see how we'll old see. he is. I I hope he's he only sixty. Ex- right, I know. So and he like, ain't fucking done. I hope not. Because we need Tarantino in Hollywood, and yeah. I, he he's allowed to have a couple bad movies. Like he hasn't done it yet, so go ahead, keep doing it, man. Do don't do a rom com, but like you know, just, yeah, keep playing with those genres. <laughs> man. Do a found footage. I don't care what you do, Quinn. man. Just don't give up. <laughs> found footage. So, what would you guys say? Not to get too into a Tarantino conversation, what would you say his weakest movie is? If you've seen all of them, I don't know if you've seen all I of have. them. It's Kill Bill Two. Really, I like Kill Bill mm. Two. 
I'm Journey is better than Destination. Yeah, no. Interesting. It's personal. Interesting. I just like, I thought all the better characters and the battles and the boss fights or whatever were in the first one. The, the, the Japanese thing, the anime scene, all that stuff was in the first one. And the second one was just like, it didn't do anything different. It didn't, I don't remember any of the music. I don't remember anything other than like the one figure punch and like the snake scene in the trailer. I was just personally, I just, mm. I was expecting more because I love the first one so much that I thought the second one would be like, Mm. yeah i mean looking so it's more of the same if not as good but yeah it's it's tough because i i love pretty much all the other ones so i i mean i i love kill bill like i said um but yeah i might agree volume two might be just looking at the other ones that i love you know django i love django i love inglorious bastards like really it was incredible as top I, I don't know death proof <laughs> i guess is the other one i haven't seen I yeah, oh, I haven't of, it's seen great. Jackie Brown in so long, but is it? That, is that the one where, is so good. Like, where the chi- where they're fun. driving down the it's, street and he turns off the lights and, and they there's the head-on collision and the light gets yeah. Shot. But look at the oh, production I kind of, of it remember that. and why he made it. Like what he went to do, like what he wanted to do, and then what he did. I think he delivered. Like you can judge it on what it is, but that's not what he's trying. He's not trying to say this is like one of the films that I always make. This is not. It's like a grindhouse flick. He's is an homage. He just wanted to do one, and Kurt Russell was not being casted at that point, so he threw him in that movie, and like he got back into Hollywood, and he started doing all the movies. But, and then the stunt, the stunt woman, the the Australian woman that's in Hateful Eight, that gets killed. Mm-hmm. She's the woman that does a stunt. She's a stunt uh, actor, and oh, she did, and it was like a legit stunt scene that they did with that on the hood of the car kind of thing. So, I, I, I don't really a lot remember of it, for that. But... Yeah, the product just because of the production. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think for me, I think Hateful Eight. I don't, I don't love Hateful Eight. No, yeah, don't love it. It's probably the weakest for it. me. I don't, I don't love it. I think it's over long. I think it's he's talky, which is kind of what he does. But I don't know. I just it's the only one I haven't seen multiple, multiple times. Oh, there's a director's I, cut I, that I watched last. It's time. a commitment to watch. I wonder. Two. Is that the is that the Netflix one? <laughs> That's like. They yeah. break it into four one-hour yeah, episodes, right. essentially. The extended okay. version. That might be yeah. better then. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check that out. Yeah, and change my opinion. Could break it up. But yeah, size chunks. But his weak movie is most people's great movie. So it's like we're talking, you know, the work of masters here. So it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say yeah. a bad movie from Tarantino. Yeah. You're comparing hatefully against. Reservoir Dogs and yeah, Becky right, Brown. and Pulp Fiction, which Pulp is Fiction. capital yeah. I important. Yeah, right. So like, it's good, but it's like when we were talking about Arnold in the last, you know, like how is it good amongst other Arnold movies? You know, stuff like that. It's right. Just like compare right. it with their work. Is that um, the same thing? I don't know. Arnold's had some stink. I'm just saying, like you compare. <laughs> well, well, that's had some. Yeah. Some rough, yeah. rough patches. Yes. There's definitely yeah. uh, more going on with Tarantino then it's definitely it makes me want to go back and watch some of the first of all finish out the Tarantino movies I haven't seen uh, Jackie Brown definitely is on the top of the list um, and some of the ones if I have Jackie seen Brown we'll get Bell back on for that yeah yes, that would be please great do Jackie Brown's interesting it don't it's not it's very atypical it's not what you would expect from a Tarantino movie it's, it's, it's a slow burn yeah oh, but it's so it's great. I, yeah, I adore it. So. I haven't seen some of my favorites in a long time, like Kill Bill. I don't remember the last time yeah. I saw it. It's been a while. 
uh inglorious bastards too um yeah i want to go back and watch some more tarantino now <laughs> that's it what all right happen? all right i think we're good on this uh heist a mission complete no it was a failure it was, a, it was an utter failure they all everybody died everybody died we're all dying <laughs> uh, no survivors who's pink uh i'm pink i'm out of here um yeah that was fun it's always it's always easy to talk about tarantino movies um but let's shift let's get out of the movie world because bill is on this sh- episode uh he says he's not good at video game trivia but i think it'd be okay all right um I'm game. What we're gonna do? So we're gonna take a, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna do a quick round of video game twenty questions. That's good. Right after this. Is that better? That felt better. It's pretty good. It's okay. It's real good. playing video game 20 questions so if nobody knows what that is or what the rules are i have a video game in my head and these three have to figure out what it is but they have 20 questions to do it all they can ask is questions where i can say yes or no to so technically 19 questions and then the last one you need to make your guess. And you can't guess early because once you do, game over. So really make sure you know what it is. Work together, guys. And good luck. <clears throat> Started off like usual. Was this game released after the year 2000? No. All right. Okay, it's uh, an early game. Okay. Did your wife give you this suggestion? That doesn't count as a question. <laughs> I'm asking the question. I want to know. Oh my god! So, I I did ask my <laughs> wife, and she gave me an answer, and I'm like, I don't know if I can go with that one. So, if I remember, I'll tell you what it was. Okay. So, all but, right. Well, we won't count no. that one. Oh, we are gonna count. Okay. No. no. Okay, okay. 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 He's got yeah, a waste of a question. I'm counting it. Okay. That, you, you gave me an answer. Yeah. I thought you were gonna not give me. An so answer no, here. my wife did not pick. This okay. Movie. Great. All right. I gotta I gotta <laughs> narrow down years. Was this released before 1990? Yes. Oh damn. Okay. All right, we got an oldie. <laughs> Eric's ah oh, shit. So Four nineteen ninety. I'm assuming Mario, it's an eighties game. I don't think Brandon would go seventies. I was thinking we might get a like a GTA or something like that to kind of tie into the episodes of Reservoir Dogs. But was <clears throat> Ooh, good point. sorry, I'm taking all the questions up. But was this game released on a Nintendo console? Yes. Okay. 
Okay. So it has to be NES. Like Super NES was until the 90s, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. Correct. So this is NES. It's got to be NES. Was this or, uh, was this game only released on a Nintendo console? Yeah. Exclusive. Yes. Okay. It's an exclusive. Okay. Good so question. Nintendo exclusive. Was this yeah. game part of a franchise? Mm-hmm. Like it. Um. Like, what does that mean again? Like, how do we define that? Well, it's like a, a series. If there are multiple entries in a in a series, yeah. No. So it. Okay. It's got. Okay. I'm assuming he got tripped because it's probably a licensed game. Then, is it a licensed game? Yes. Ah, <laughs> yes. oh, right. okay. I just helped you guys out big time there. All right. Yeah. All right. Can you do it in ten questions? We got like what? It's probably the it's Any... probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Chick chick. it's a franchise. Oh, it's a franchise. There's a lot of licensed game. There's a lot of licensed ones. Um. It's probably like there is a lot 80s? of licensed games like, on the NES. We could sure. go uh like is it licensed but after a movie? Was it licensed? I'm yeah. assuming it's got to be like a movie like Got to know the proper yeah. Um cause it's not going to be a book I don't think. But all right, yeah. It's what, most likely a movie but or TV show or whatever comic. Was this based is it, on a movie? Oh. I want to I want to narrow this down. Is it like a based off of a, like a um yes so it's based off a yes. movie so it's a movie licensed game okay uh, that took yeah. away just a couple of mine okay no that's good oh could be back to the future <laughs> no. i'm no, here's, here's my question did the, did the movie have arnold schwarzenegger in it <laughs> oh my yeah God. but no no dave no the, no okay he, dave <laughs> that's no, Arnold. Um, You're right, Eric. Though he said the, there's the, only one Back to the Future game, but yeah, yeah, the game is not there's a franchise, one, but. but the movie might be a franchise. That's true. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking yeah, Back to the Future, Fester's Quest, uh, Fester's Quest. I got that one from Blockbuster. That's not really a movie. That was a but, fucking disappointing um, weekend. The weekend you brought home Fester's Quest. <laughs> Jaws. Oh, Jaws. NES game. Ooh, I know Brandon likes that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, well, I, I don't know. know. Was there I'm looking for tells here on the Discord. I'm looking for tells. <laughs> was there multiple Jaws games? I don't think there was. No, I don't no. think so. Not just on one. the NES. Just uh, one. Goonies. Mm-hmm. Was Goonies. a NES. Was, that was a good NES game, actually. Yeah. Um, what else we got? It's too early to be Jurassic Park. For NES. Yeah, Jurassic Park yeah. wasn't on the. That was nineties. It was SNES. Park. Yep. This game Boy. I remember the Jurassic Park Game Boy game. So we did we we established some movies. We we said is the game in a series of franchise or the movie is a franchise? Because I know you were asking that. That was. I a, think I asked. I asked, is this a franchise? Like multiple entries right. in a game series, and he said no. Okay. Because that was okay. before so we not, knew. It was so there's a only movie. been one. Right. Gotcha. So it's it's based off one game, one, one NES game. There wasn't like three or four yeah. based off this movie. Okay. So I were okay. crossing out Turtles, I believe. Well, Turtles wasn't a movie adaptation yes. either. So. You have to, yeah, you have to cross off Turtles because there's multiple Turtles games for NES. I have a good feeling um, about Jaws. I do, I do too. Jaws is a good <laughs> one. Here's the, well, he got 10 more questions. Does the game feature a fish? You guys fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> is that a yes? Uh yes. Yes. <laughs> I think you nailed it. What other We have more questions to ask. We wanna re- um, wanna really make him squirm. Is there a uh I don't know. 
are you a diver in this game shooting fish with your harpoon gun? <laughs> uh, um, let me check. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then I, then I think we've narrowed it down. I will let, uh, go for it. Eric. Unreal. You, you nailed it. Is it Jaws on the NES? It's Jaws. It is Jaws. Nicely right. done, Eric. Oh my God. Or 11 or 12. Oh my God. You so funny. You... So you're a big, so you're a big Jaws fan, Brandon. Okay. I think Jaws is like movie perfection. It's pretty close. It's, it's pretty close to a perfect movie. It's just the opening five minutes world building is just masterful. You yeah. learn so much about why everything matters later on because of how important it is in that opening scene. I just like every time I watch it, I'm like, my God, I can see why this guy is like one of the greats. Re- it's so good. So good. Yeah. Um, I love Jaws. I, I love it. So do you uh, think, think the Jaws NES game did the movie justice? I, no, it fucking sucked. <laughs> and it was so hard. I hated that game. I want. I liked game. it, but I also hated it. And I always talk yeah. about how like, I want a modern day game where you are uh, Brody, Sheriff Brody, and you have to, you're not, it has nothing. It's, it, there's the shark, but you're not dealing with the shark that much. It's a horror game, but it's very chill. And you're really trying to just be a sheriff on a small tourist island. And you're dealing with the, you know, and it could be like Telltale where there's a lot of dialogue things. You're trying to make decisions. Go here or go here. Go here or go here. But I want really good graphics or at least maybe artsy direction where it's like maybe cartoony. But something high fidelity. something that looks really good. And then there's always the fear that the shark could be there. And you don't. And it's like randomly generated. So if somebody's out, you're like trying to get it, like you don't know. And I think the deep going in the water and solving things, I think it could be some of the scariest shit ever. I would love to see a Jaws video game. It's like the game I want to see somebody remake today. Don't remake it as a movie. Don't give me a TV show. Give me something on the PS5 or the Xbox, you know, just something fucking good that captures that feeling of that movie and make me it's not like a, a quantic shoot torpedo or fucking arrows at <laughs> harpoons fish. Yeah. aquatic harpoons. dream uh jaws movie or jaws game essentially like heavy rain like that kind of style narrative yeah narrative driven narrative focus Nah, we that's, can that's let's leave david cage yeah, well yeah david we don't cage, need him he can, he can just not make just games that genre david cage. Just, oh that's that genre, right he's yeah. a scumbag i forgot about that happened yeah, he's not enough well, of David Cage. He's uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, I would I would love a Jaws movie where you play as the mayor and you're trying to keep this small beach town open, like a Sim City, with this shark happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. how do I keep this hot dog stands open? And the tourism's a problem. Like, I, I, I want like a city That'd sim cool. around that. Gotta, yeah, you gotta entice the entice the drunk fisherman to stay out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, well, thanks. Guys, you got that real quick, way quicker than I thought. But um, I thought I would throw you off with it being Jaws. Eric knows me too well. I really think played I right into it. Played right into you our know hands. Me too well. I, re- I think I did like Dumb and Dumber for a movie, and Eric's like, it's probably like Dumb and Dumber, and he like, <laughs> like, yes. And then the joke about Ninja Turtles is um, I I accidentally did Ninja Turtles twice or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> almost. I I think it might have been three times. I'm not even kidding. Get out of here! Get out of here! Do it three times. Um, before we before we wrap up, uh, Eric, uh, Bill, again, if it's, if you want to just like and people, please check out his show. It's well produced. It's like a, every episode is like a documentary, but 
yeah, if you want to shout out anything you got going on and you got your own Discord and all that stuff, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, if you enjoy video games and listening to old people like me talk mm-hmm. about said video games, uh, this show is entitled The Gamer Looks at 40. It's basically like an oral history of video games as told through the stories and recollections of the people that actually lived it. So it's more about the stories of how games affected people's lives, why they love them, as opposed to nuts and bolts um, kind of analysis like a traditional review show would be. Kind of gets to that heart and soul of the medium as opposed to kind of those nuts and bolts um it's like you said uh like you said brandon every show could have up to 10 or 12 different people um different walks of life different experiences all around a certain game or series or experience uh coming up i'm not sure when this this is gonna air next week right so at the time of this recording a few days okay so at the time of this recording uh there there should be the first of two episodes about renting games i love it people telling stories about where they rented games what they got um, the games they fell in love with those disappointments dave that like fester's quest those disappointments that (laughs) ruined your weekend um there's two episodes on that and then after that will be a three episode uh series on earthbound awesome and then after that i'm diving into every final fantasy game it's gonna take six months and it's kind of like my zelda series that took six months where i went through every single zelda game and it's gonna be a a big one but uh yeah that's kind of what we have going on till the end of the year and uh so if you enjoy that uh twitter is where i mainly do my social media ing so a gamer looks at 440 on twitter link tree in the bio do all the podcasty stuff and uh please check out the show it's uh i think if you like nostalgic stuff and you want to hear people tell stories about said nostalgic things i i think it's right up your alley nice uh it's not twitter it's um X guys, well, I listen. Me Elon, if you're listening, I if refuse. You're listening. I refuse he to listens play. to the show. I refuse to play your silly games, Elon Musk. It's uh, wild. There are rather. I commend silly. you. I commend you, Bill, for everything you do for your show. It's really impressive. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, take us home, Eric. All right. Well, if you want to follow us, did you just fart? I swear I mean, that's probably me leaning back in the chair here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that definitely does yeah. sound like a fart. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> stop it. I'm trying to do my outro. If you want to follow us on X, Twitter, <laughs> at Nomads of Fantasy, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, um, if you want to watch us on YouTube, like some one person is right now <laughs> youtube.com at nomads of fantasy or twitch.tv slash nomads of fantasy if you want to see us live uh otherwise you can join our discord the nomads of fantasy.com slash discord you can play our game that we made called what map game uh, if you go to whatmapgame.com, if you like video game maps and trying to yeah. guess which ones they are what is a video game map i don't to find that what is it i don't know that's a whole um whole dis- discord discussion we've had today yep so hop in the discord post your what map results and yeah have a good time but other than that that's all i got for you so as always safe travels nomads motherfucker <laughs> it's a tarantino episode you gotta drop it Stairs. Clown.
It's my book now. Hey, I changed my mind. Shoot this piece of shit, will you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody cough up some green for the little lady. Come on, throw in a buck. Uh-uh, I don't tip. You don't tip? No, I don't believe in it. You don't believe in tipping? You know what these chicks make? They make shit. Don't give me that. She don't make enough money, she can quit. <laughs> I don't even know a fucking Jew would have the ball to say that. Now, let me just get this straight. You don't ever tip, huh? I don't tip because society says I have to. All right, I mean, I'll tip if somebody really deserves a tip. If they really put forth the effort, I'll give them something extra. But, I mean, it's tipping automatically. Uh, it's for the birds. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're just doing their job. Hey, this girl was nice. She was okay. I mean, she wasn't anything special. What's special? Take you in the back and suck your dick. <laughs> I'd go over 12% for that. Hey, look, I ordered coffee, right? Now, we've been here a long fucking time. She's only filled my cup three times. I mean, when I order coffee, I want it filled six times. Six times? Well, you know, what if she's too fucking busy? Words too fucking busy shouldn't be in a waitress's vocabulary. Excuse me, Mr. Pink, but the last fucking thing you need is another cup of coffee. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I mean, these ladies aren't starving to death. They make minimum wage. And you know, I used to work minimum wage, and when I did, I wasn't lucky enough to have a job that society deemed tip-worthy. You don't care they'd count on your tips to live? You know what this is? It's the world's smallest violin playing just for the waitresses. You don't have any idea what you're talking about. These people bust their ass. This is a hard job. So is working at McDonald's, but you don't feel the need to tip them, do you? Why not? They're serving you food. But no, society says, don't tip these guys over here, but tip these guys over here. That's bullshit. Waitressing is the number one occupation for female non-college graduates in this country. It's the one job basically any woman can get and make a living on. The reason is because of their tips. Fuck all that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm very sorry the government taxes their tips. That's fucked up. That ain't my fault. I mean, it would appear that waitresses are one of the many groups the government fucks in the ass on a regular basis. I mean, if you show me a piece of paper that says the government shouldn't do that, I'll sign it. Put it to a vote, I'll vote for it. But what I won't do is play ball. And this non-college bullshit you're giving me, I got two words for that. Learn to fucking type. Because if you're expecting me to help out with the rent, you're in for a big fucking surprise. Just convince me. Give me my dollar back. Hey! Leave the dollars there. All right, ramblers, let's get rambling. Wait a minute. Who didn't throw in? Mr. Pink. Mr. Pink? Why not? He don't tip. He don't tip? 
What do you mean you don't tip? You don't believe in it. Shut up. What do you mean you don't believe in it? Come on, you. Cough off a bucket, cheap bastard. I paid for your goddamn breakfast. All right, since you pay for the breakfast, I'll put in. But normally, I would never do this. Never mind what you normally would do. Just cough in your goddamn <laughs> buck like everybody else. Thank you.